If you would, let's go to Genesis 40 tonight. Genesis 40. Quite a while for one reason or another we hadn't been able to resume our Genesis study on Sunday night. But I'm looking forward to getting back into it. But where we left off in Genesis 39, Joseph um, has been lied about. Potiphar's wife uh, tried to seduce him. He would never uh, give in to it. And then she uh, actually assaulted him and, and tried to force him. And he ran and she grabbed his coat. Which, you know, Joseph, it seems like he's always losing his coat. <laughs> but uh, she used that to try to say that he had tried to assault her, but we know that's not true. And obviously, listen, Potiphar didn't believe that for a second. If Potiphar really believed that Joseph had come on to his wife using the, the authority and the access to his home that he had given him, if he really believed that, uh, he would have been executed immediately. He didn't believe that. That's why he not only did he not execute him, but he put him in the king's prison, which they were just... They weren't treated like normal prisoners. And so uh, he had to do something to, you know, so his wife wouldn't be totally dishonored. But he didn't believe that or he would have killed him. There's no doubt about that. And where this picks up in Genesis 40, Joseph is in the prison. And once again, the Lord has blessed his hands and everything he, he does prospers. He's a trustworthy person. And the keeper of the prison actually pretty much gives him access and control, and he's working in the prison, uh, and he's been entrusted with a lot in the same way he was entrusted by Potiphar. And I think it's important to point out, uh, most scholars believe that by the time you get to Genesis chapter 40, that Joseph has been in this prison anywhere from six to eight years. And so that's, that's quite a long time to be in prison for something you didn't do. And uh, we want to look tonight at the thought of working for God while waiting on God. Working for God while waiting on God. Now, in this chapter, the, the hand of God, I mean, it, it's clearly seen here. And we do find Joseph is working for God while he's waiting on God. And I think we can learn some things from this. And let's just read the, I mean, I believe in reading the Word of God. I believe in taking it in context and letting it speak. And so we're going to read all 23 verses in this chapter. We won't uh, go back and preach through every individual verse, but let's read the Word of God together. Genesis 40 says, It came to pass after these things, after he was lied about, after he was cast to the prison, been here about six to eight years, he said that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in the ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker, the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. 
And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. And it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver a Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket there was of all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree. And the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief uh, butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the beautiful weather you've given us. Our Lord, for this wonderful place you give us to worship in this church family uh, that you put together and uh, God, I just thank you for the services this morning and the truths of your word. We're just so blessed, God. We, we don't deserve it, but God, we sure are thankful for it. I pray that you fill me your Holy Spirit tonight. And Lord, that we'll be encouraged, God. We would go to our places of work or school or whatever we may face this week. And uh, God, that you would just give us boldness for the gospel. And uh, God, just give us joy in Jesus. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. We do uh, pray for the message tonight. It's in Christ's name I pray you sing. Amen. We're looking tonight at working for God while waiting on God. I've got five short things I want to look at tonight. What can this text teach us about working and waiting for God? I don't really have um, an alliteration tonight. I just got some points that I want to discuss. I, we see these in the text, but I've also seen these to be true in my own life. And, and honestly, I... I wished I had learned many of these lessons much earlier than I did. And sometimes I, I still forget and I have to be reminded. Y'all never have to be reminded of anything you already know, right? But the first thing I want you to know about working and waiting for God is that God does not get in a hurry. I don't know if y'all realize that or not. God doesn't get in a hurry. And I want you to understand that, that God is proactive. He's not necessarily reactive, he's proactive. And, you know, God already has his plans laid out. He knows what he wants to do. He, he's issued forth his decree. Uh, you know, there's some people that act like 
Uh, God gets up every morning and he reads the morning paper to figure out what's going on in the world. And then he decides what he wants to do based on what we're doing. But he's not that small. And I, I like what Psalm 115 and verse 3 says. It says, But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Psalm 135 and verse 6, But our God, I like that personal R there. Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Now, when we look at this situation with Joseph, we just read the entire uh, chapter 40, probably took about two and a half, maybe three minutes to do it. But Joseph has been in the prison for six years. He was already in slavery for two or three years prior to that. And so if you're in prison for something that you did not do, and you're in slavery because your brothers betrayed you, and sent you to Egypt, which was basically a death sentence, that's a long time. I mean, if you're praying for something, no doubt that was the biggest thing in his life. That was the 800-pound gorilla in the room. He's in prison in Egypt. His father doesn't even know where he's at. That's a long time to pray every day, God, get me out of here, or deliver me, or, or whatever somebody might pray in that situation. And, and no doubt, even in our life, we have things that we may have prayed for for years and we, we feel like maybe our prayers never go past the ceiling because we don't see God's hand in anything that's going on. And yet God had a plan. God had a plan. His situation, listen, his situation had not changed at all in six to eight years. That would be discouraging for anybody. I mean, I... I get discouraged sometimes when I don't see God moving. I mean, we, we like some tangible things that we can hold on to from time to time. You ever felt that way? Surely Joseph must, must have felt that way. But it, it's so comforting. I mean, we can read about it in hindsight. And it's just a, man, it's such a, just a great little story, isn't it? Because by the time you get to chapter 41, Pharaoh has a dream and he calls up Joseph. And man, it just thrills our hearts. But he had to live it every day for years. We don't, you know, he didn't, Joseph didn't have a book. He didn't have the book of Genesis. He couldn't read that. But if he could, he would never worry about anything. If, if he had God's calendar of when all these things were going to happen, he'd say, Okay, well, hey, that looks like a pretty good plan to me. 13 years, that's not that long. If we, could, if we could have the book, if we had the knowledge of God, if we knew His plans, if we had that calendar where we saw all of these things coming together and God working all these things for our good, we would never worry about it, would we? But then it would take all the faith out of it, wouldn't it? Right. God does not get in a hurry. He's not on our timeline. He's just not. And that's, that's tough to deal with sometimes, especially when we're in the midst of a trial and we don't see God working. But this brings me to the second thing I want you to know. God is always working. Always. There's never an exception to that rule. God is always working. And I'll say this. He's always working on one of two things. And I would say He probably works on these things simultaneously. But for sure, he's always working on one of these two things. That really, these two things can't be seen a, a lot of the time. He's either working on your situation, or he's working on you. And here in this situation, as far as Joseph is concerned, his prayers are 
not going past the ceiling. His situation hasn't changed in several years and he doesn't see any evidence that God is working on his situation. But I can promise you this, every day God was working on Joseph. And I look at this and I, I I ask myself the question, I wonder what God really taught him in that situation, what he learned. Because if you remember, Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the 17-year-old Joseph was ready to be the second most powerful man in the world? Probably not. What about the 30-year-old man that he went, to, went through 13 years of slavery and prison in Egypt? I think so. And I look at this and I say, you know, what, what might God have taught me in that situation? Well, I certainly believe that uh, Joseph learned about the sovereignty of God and all this. He saw that uh, God had protected him and, and how God had guided him and how uh, Potiphar had purchased him and how he ended up here for something he didn't do. And certainly he was learning patience every day. He was learning humility every single day. Uh, He was learning patience and work ethic and contentment. I mean, how many lessons could he have learned in in this situation? Or as I like to call, the waiting room of God. God will put us in his waiting room sometimes. And man, it's a tough place to be for impatient people, which I know that that doesn't include anybody in here. So I know I'm just preaching to the choir, but... um, what lessons God learned. And so I can promise you this. If God is not immediately working on your situation, He's working on you. And He was prepping Joseph for this all-important position and this all-important task that He was going to assign him to. He was going to make a Hebrew slave. The Hebrews were dogs to the Egyptians. He's going to make this Hebrew slave the most powerful man in the world, just second to Pharaoh. When he snapped his fingers, things got done. He had people's lives in their very hands. Life or death had a word. When he commanded people to do things, they did it. I mean, this Hebrew slave, that 17-year-old boy wasn't ready for that. That 30-year-old man was. And, you know, we see it in just a few pages in our Bibles. It took years. And so I can promise you, if God is not working on your situation, He's working on you. And that's the best thing that we can ask God. God, what are you teaching me in this trial? What are you showing me in this situation? And we can praise God that He is preparing us for a better work. All things work together for good to them that love God. That doesn't just mean, that does not just mean good toward us. It means good in us. He's working good in us. He's making and shaping and molding us and He's purifying His bride. God is much more concerned with your character than He is your comfort. God is much more concerned with who you are becoming than where you are going and how long it takes to get there. God is always working. That's encouraging to me. But number three, the third thing I want you to know while you are working and waiting on God... I want you to know that you know more than you think you do. You ever been in a situation where you say, God, I just don't know what to do. God, I don't feel like I'm hearing you. I don't know what to do. You ever said that before? You know a whole lot more than you think you do. Look at verse 20. In uh, actually chapter, we'll go one chapter further. 
uh, backwards actually, chapter 39, beginning in verse 20. And this is after Potiphar's wife lied about Joseph. It said, Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now, when I look at this situation, I mean, how easy would it have been for Joseph just to have a sorry, rotten attitude? I'm not doing nothing. I'm going to lay around in the prison cell all day. I'm going to mope. I'm going to have a pity party. I don't deserve this. I shouldn't be here. Uh, you know, God, I, I, you know, even though I got sold into slavery, I trusted you. I served you. I tried to be a good slave to Potiphar, and this is my reward. But he didn't do that. He went from being prosperous and working hard in Pharaoh's house to now he's being prosperous and working hard in the prison. He was a good slave, and then he was a good prisoner. Look, Joseph would have been successful at anything he did because everything he did, he did to the glory of God. He did it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. And as I've said before, he had to learn to be a good slave and a good prisoner before God was going to make him a good leader. And I've said this before too because you see the hand so many times how... um, in fact, you see it in verse 22, he, put in, he committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners. And, and you see that Joseph is constantly changing hands from his brothers to the Midianite merchant men, to Potiphar, to the prison. But then in, verse, in chapter 41, we see where all of this is going to be placed in Joseph's hand. And so if you never learn how to be handled, God will never let you handle anything. And what I mean when I say that you know more than you think you do is even though Joseph didn't know how it was going to turn out, even though he didn't know the end result of all this on a daily basis, he knew what he was supposed to do. Every day he was going to get up and he was going to do his work in the prison or in Potiphar's house or whatever he was doing, he was going to work. Albeit they may seem like simple things, they may seem like small things, uh, but he was being faithful in the small things. God's not really called us to do anything big. He's called us to be faithful in the small things. If there is going to be anything big done in our life, he's going to be the one that does it. And so when I say that you know more than you think you do, where are you at in your life right now? Do you have anything that you know for sure that you're supposed to do? In my situation... I never thought I would be in Utah. I never thought we would be where, we're, where we are or that she'd be dealing with what she is or any, anything that's happened in the past few years. But I do know this. God's called me to be a good husband to my wife. He's called me to be a good father to my children and try to lead them and nurture and admission of the Lord. He's called me to be the best pastor I can be to this church. He's called me to study and get messages. He's called me to go back to school full time and use whatever that is for what I do here. And so every day I get up knowing that I have things that I have to do that He's called me to do. And so, yeah, I don't know the ultimate thing that God's going to do. I don't know the next big thing. I don't know the next turn in the road. But I know every day when I get up, I, know, I can tell you, I can make you a list. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. 
Joseph knew exactly what he was supposed to do until he got further instructions. And so we have to take, we have to find joy in the journey. We have to find uh, value in the work that God has called us to do. You say, well, I don't know what to do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You're called to work while you wait on God. Um, you know more than you think you do. But then, <clears throat> number four, I want you to know that God doesn't usually reveal His hand until exactly the right time. He, he doesn't usually give you a preview before. Now, He does here in Joseph's case. He doesn't usually give us a preview before the movie. Sometimes He does. But we find here, at least in Joseph's case, and I'm sure it's been true in my life, that if we get even the slightest preview, the slightest hint that God's doing something, you know what we do? We get anxious and we get impatient. Oh, God's doing something. Hey, this is fixing to be over. Trial's fixing to be over. You know, when um, I think about Noah on the ark, when the dove brought the little, uh, basically a twig to him, they were so excited, we're fixing to get out of here. And it was like 40 more days after. That's a long time. When you've been stuck on a boat for a year, you're ready to get off. And so I think it actually makes us more impatient. And a lot of times it doesn't help us. Um, look at verse uh, 14 in chapter 40. It says, But think on me when it shall be well with thee. Now he's talking to the butler. He's interpreted his dream. He knows he's fixing to get his position back with the uh, Pharaoh. And by the way, the, the cupbearer, I mean, that was one of the, the closest positions to the king because, you know, you had to basically test uh, the food and the drink for the king to make sure it wasn't poisonous. You know, people were trying to assassinate the king, and so you had to make sure the food wasn't uh, poisonous. And so on one hand, you got to taste some really delicious food. But on the other hand, it shows just how disposable you really were. Because if you drop dead from an assassination attempt, they're just going to call the next man up. But the thing about it is they were in close quarters with the king, and many times they were uh, privy to information, and they were close to the king many times, the cupbearer was. So Joseph recognized uh, the gravity of the situation. He recognized the position that this butler would have. And he says, But think on me when it shall be well with thee. And show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me in the dungeon. And so I will say this about Joseph. If we do see a weakness in him, we see it in this text here. He's trying to make things happen. He's trying to help God out. Have you ever done that before? He is seeking human help. He's not, a, he's not a stupid man and he sees this coming together and he says, I'm having influence with one of the Pharaoh's choice servants. And he's saying, please talk to Pharaoh on my behalf. Tell him I'm innocent. Tell him I shouldn't be here. Tell him to get me out of here. And so if, if there was a weakness, we see it here. And it seems to make Joseph a little impatient. He's trying to help God now. He, he is... Uh, trying to force the issue, but God doesn't need our help. And perhaps God doesn't show us what He's doing ahead of time because it does get us anxious. But here's the thing. Even after this incident with the butler, 
Joseph had to wait two more years in that prison. And I can't help but think, just about every day after this incident, he's thinking, I wonder if today is the day that Pharaoh comes and gets me. I wonder if today is the day that the prison doors open and out I go and I'll be a free man and I can go home. Probably thought about that every day. Two years is a long time when you're in that mindset. And so God doesn't always reveal His hand when we want it to. But God was working. God was going to use this. There's no way Joseph, there's no way that Joseph could have known how God was going to use it. So far better than he could have thought. But look at chapter uh, 41 in verse 1. It says, and it came to pass, I love that phrase. Because Joseph's misery, his heartache, his trials, all those many years of wondering what was going on, every bad thing he experienced for the past 13 years disappears with one phrase. (laughs) And it came to pass. Isn't that wonderful? It came to pass at the end of two full years, two years after this incident with the baker and the butler, that Pharaoh, it just so happened that Pharaoh had a dream. (laughs) And of course, we know the story. We're going to get into it. Uh, Nobody in the kingdom can interpret the dream. And it just so happened the butler says, you know what? Now that I think about it, there was a Hebrew prisoner that was able to interpret not only my dream, but the baker's. And I bet he could help you out, Pharaoh. And so it came to pass in God's timing at the end of two full years, and now it's been 13 total years since he's been in slavery in Egypt, and God's plan comes to pass in his time, in his way. And this leads me to the last thing I want to say tonight about working for God while waiting on God, and that is that God's plans are always better. They're always better. You know, in Joseph's mind... I imagine he probably thought about going home to see daddy, going home to family, being free of this pagan Egypt. He probably thought about going home every day. But when he saw God's plans, he changed his mind. And one thing that amazes me about Joseph is there was a time that I'm sure he would have given anything just to go home, but he didn't have the power. He was physically restrained. There's no way he could have done that. But then when God's plans were revealed and he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and he got the robe and the ring and and he got the commission to save the world from a great drought that was coming, then check this out. He, He had the power to go home. Joseph had the power to go home. He could have gotten chariots and horses and soldiers. He could have had an escort, the likes of which has never been seen, to take him home to his father. But he didn't do it. I tell you what, that is a great sign of Christian maturity. When you have the ability to do certain things and you don't do them, not because you don't want to, but because you know it's not the will of God. That's, that's, that's some good stuff. God's plans are always better. And if you want to know just how mature Joseph was by the time he rose to power, the first time he saw his brothers when they came to Egypt to get corn, he didn't even reveal himself. Why? Because Benjamin wasn't there. In the dream, all of them are bowing down. He knew it wasn't time yet. And so, man, we'll get into all this stuff. 
But God's plans are always better. So we, listen, just work while you wait on God. But work with joy and do what you know to do and trust Him with the things that you don't know. And that's where we find our joy. When God does come through, He does change the situation after He's changed us. After He's used our situation to prepare us because all the suffering that we endure is ordained by God. And it's always for a purpose. God is always working. God is always working. So we can take confidence in that. 